0: Or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the hemp guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the canna curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's Hi, y'all. Welcome to Casually Baked. I'm excited to welcome today Keith Villa. He is a PhD and a trailblazer in the rapidly growing market of non-alcoholic and non-alcoholic cannabis-infused beers, as the brewmaster and co-founder of Seria Brewing Company, based in Arvada, Colorado. Villa retired after 32 years at Blue Moon Brewing Company, an operating unit of Miller Coors, where he was creator and head brewmaster of Blue Moon. Seria made Colorado brewing history in 2018 by introducing the state's first THC Non alcoholic craft beer. Keith, thank you so much for taking time to join us.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Joanna. It's my pleasure.
0: It's interesting because we did speak right after you had launched the uh, THC infused non alcoholic beer. And since then, you have taken a step back from that to just go full force into this non alcoholic side of the business. And since this is a cannabis infused podcast, I definitely want to touch base um, before we really dive in to just talk about what that was like and, and the decision to take a step back because, you know, with cannabis not being federally legal. It's a really challenging dance for people to come into the industry and create a a business that is viable and that isn't just sucking the life out of you, because it feels like that's what happens a lot of times. So I would love for you to tell us about your experience.
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, we originally got into the, uh, I would say, cannabis-infused beer uh, market back in 2018 in Colorado. And uh, the launch went great. Uh, everything went fine. And uh, uh, what we found out right away, though, is that there are some stumbling blocks that are in place that you, you have to get over. Uh, some of the primary ones uh, were, number one, we had to create a non-alcoholic beer And uh, because you cannot legally sell alcohol and cannabis in the same beverage. And so I had to create a line of uh, non-alcoholic beers. And for your listeners, those who are really into the NA space, uh, they're becoming more and more educated as to what non-alcoholic is. Because there's a lot of people out there that are shocked when they find out there's alcohol in non-alcoholic beer. Even though a trace, less than 0.5%, some people honestly think it's it has 0.0 none and that's where af comes in so uh, by law the government uh, here in the united states and in fact there is a division of the government called the ttb the alcohol tax and trade bureau they govern everything that has alcohol in the u.s and even uh, will supply guidelines for non-alcoholic products and one of their guidelines says that if there's any measurable amount of alcohol less than 0.5 percent It has to be labeled as non-alcoholic. And if there's no measurable alcohol, meaning 0.00%, they can't even detect it. Then they allow you to call it alcohol-free, AF. So what we did is we thought, okay, uh, we're going to make sure we have alcohol-free beer uh, so that nobody can question it. uh, Because there are some states out there who, when we got into it, they allowed cannabis infusions into non-alcoholic products, and others said, no, it's alcohol-free only that can be infused. So yeah, we took that literally to mean to us that alcohol-free was the way to go. So all our products are alcohol-free. So with that little segue, <laughs> um, we got into it, and first thing we found out about was uh, IRS 280E. And for your yeah, listeners, <laughs> that's a big one. For, for their... Pl- listening pleasure uh what what it is is that in the the u.s uh the government doesn't care what you do to get your income uh whether you are doctor lawyer baker butcher uh or even a crack dealer (laughs) as long as you pay your taxes uh you're in good standing with the federal government the minute you don't pay your taxes They will be after you, but 280E is the one that says if you uh, deal in uh, anything that's federally illegal, you still have to pay your taxes, but you cannot write off anything except for cost of goods sold. So the net effect that that does is that it makes your effective tax rate as a business as high as about 75%. So you're paying a lot of taxes yeah. and so highway
0: uh, robbery that
1: cascade. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, the feds, you know, the t- uh, 280E has, has been a, just as windfall for the government to, to the point where they're making billions of dollars every year uh, just because of this rule. And uh, that's what, that's one of my pet peeves for why it's taking so long for federal legalization is they probably don't want this cash cow to go away anyway. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what happens is that with 280E, it cascades into the price of different uh, cannabis goods. So as a supplier, you have to make sure you get a good profit margin on, on your product because you sell to a dispensary who then sells it to the public. And dispensaries, they've got to make their fair share. So, so the price gets marked up each time. And when you consider that, 280E rears its ugly head and, and takes a bite out of everybody's business, it really results in high high, artificially pumped up prices at dispensaries. And so for us, uh, one can of our infused beer was costing anywhere from oh, $8 to $12, depending on the market. And, and you can imagine on the alcoholic non-infused side, if you went to a, a liquor store, you could buy a six-pack of of a pretty decent beer in, in our beer too, our non-alcoholic, for anywhere from, uh, I'd say, $8 up to about $11. So, so the price differential was huge. And, and so it was really tough, number one, uh, to keep the prices low and still have a good margin, but also offer a product in dispensaries for people to buy that wanted to... Enjoy a nice low dose experience like a beer, but uh, but you know get it at a good price. That was that was really hard to do. So we did it for let's see from 2018, uh, and we we backed out of the market last year, after what was that 2022. So about four years, and we were in Colorado and California, and we finally said you know this is really troublesome. It's it's tough to do, and, and also. That was just a couple of the high-level things. Imagine uh, having your bank call you and say, you know what, uh, it's better if we part ways, take your money out of here, go find another bank because you're in this cannabis space that's federally illegal. <laughs> and, and so you've got things like that popping up. And, and so it just made it really tough to do business. So we backed out after four years um, and said, let's sit on the sidelines until it's federally illegal or federally legal uh, because you know we we thought it would be legalized sooner because uh, when Biden ran for president against Trump uh, a few years back one of the things that was mentioned was his you know his goal to make it uh, legal or decriminalized or rescheduled and he finally did uh, push the HHS uh, to study it and see if it could be rescheduled and they came back and said, Yes, uh, the recommendation is to reschedule it from schedule one to schedule three. Uh, so, schedule one for your listeners that aren't familiar with that. Schedule one is is a class of drugs that's considered to be highly addictive, no medical value whatsoever. Uh, things like crack, uh, ecstasy, stuff like that. Uh, Schedule three are, are things that are uh, medically good and, and studied, uh, need a prescription, things like uh, anabolic steroids and that type of stuff. So so uh, that's their recommendation at yeah, well, the DEA. Well,
0: and just let me interject because I can't not say it. I mean, all of these politicians will... Pl- Run on a platform for cannabis, but they never do anything about it because they're making way too much money from the pharmaceutical industry and from a lot of the other, dare I say, alcohol industry as well. You know, I feel like there's a lot of players in the alcohol industry that are. Trying to make sure they get all of their ducks in a row before they themselves support the legalization of cannabis. So you're straddling a really interesting space, you know.
1: Yeah, and when you when you really take a step back and look at all the lobbying and dollars that are spent on this this category, it's it's I mean, it's mind boggling. It really is uh, millions and billions of dollars being spent to either push it this way or that way, and it, it's it's really really uh, Crazy. Aside from that, uh, it really is uh, difficult to be in this space. It made it very difficult, but we decided to step back until federal legalization because uh, Biden Biden made a, a promise. And now that uh, recommendation is in the hands of the DEA, uh, the Drug Enforcement Agency, uh, who handles scheduling of drugs. And so so anything is possible. So meanwhile, us as a supplier, we did, were at, out for now decided to sit on the sidelines lines and see what happens. And, uh, you know, if, if it becomes legal, we can jump right back in at the flip of a switch because we have the technology, we have the branding, we, we know what to do to get right in. And uh, we have products, we can make alcohol-free beer, uh, I uh, actually have a patent for making alcohol-free beer, which I can talk about a little bit later, but uh, uh, we can jump in quickly and get right back into it and make any style of beer or any really any fermented beverage and, and get it out there and, and infuse it with cannabis. And we know how to infuse it. Excellent.
0: Too. So I'm curious if you have any stats on um what the sales are of the in a category in these cannabis legal states, because it seems to me like in the states that legalize, there is a reduction in the use of alcohol, but I don't know that for sure. I felt like you might have access to some of that info
1: it's there's still not enough data out there to say uh, conclusively that that people are giving up alcohol for cannabis, but Uh, You can observe that quite a bit in the states where it is legal. And you can also observe sales figures for non-alcoholic beer. And what you find out is that, in general, the alcohol category is declining. And one of the very few uh, bright spots in the, I would say, the alcohol beverage category is the non-alcoholic segment. Non-alcoholic segment, which includes alcohol-free, that segment is growing uh, to the tune of, in, in 2022 it was roughly 25% uh, growth and in uh, 2023 it's shaping up to be uh, closer to about 30 to 35% growth. So it's a it's a healthy uh, growth uh, in the NA category. And so we can kind of say that, well, cannabis is growing, non-alcoholic beer is growing Alcoholic beverages are declining, so maybe people are giving it up, uh, giving up alcohol. And we also have studies showing that quite a few people, especially uh, Gen Z and millennials, are really coming back and saying, "You know what? Cannabis is healthier than alcohol," mainly because they've they've seen podcasts and, and read articles saying that. You know alcohol is is bad even one drop one drink of alcohol is bad uh there's those articles out there and others saying you know if you keep drinking eventually your liver will give out your you know your body will just start to uh become more and more unhealthy you'll become sicker and sicker and, and it scares a lot of people to the point where they're giving up alcohol and moving to something that they think is a little bit more safer on their bodies when they want to relax for a weekend. Yeah. So, uh, so you're seeing a big and shift. And I
0: don't know that I would say that I think they're diving in and doing a bunch of research and reading these things, but I definitely believe they are experiencing these things at a younger age and and coming to conclusions, looking at the generations ahead of them, coming to some healthier conclusions, In fact, I was doing some homework, digging around on the NA segment, and recently in London at the Innovation in Non-Alcoholic Beverages Conference, um, during a Heineken presentation, he was saying, and of course, this is in the UK, but they were claiming that uh, Gen Z alcohol consumption has dropped 25% in the last four years. And um, that only 8% of English, young and legal drinking age consumers drink at least once per week, um, which they said this figure stood at 50% 10 years ago. So, you know, the more information that is available, when you know better, you do better. And it does seem that the Gen Z crowd is smartening up faster than the rest of us did.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, no, that's for sure and and it really is uh, interesting because they they are also very well educated. They they don't just jump on something before studying it. And uh that's why I, I tend to believe that that they are finding out that that you know there's something there that uh giving up alcohol uh maybe is is healthy uh and swapping out for cannabis uh but of course at the same time uh, there are some uh drawbacks like uh, for cannabis uh, there's plenty of uh, articles coming out showing that smoking it uh, whether you're talking joints or, or, or bogs uh, it, it does it is bad for the lungs and I think we're seeing more and more studies say that but consuming cannabis uh, in edi- the form of edibles uh, drinkables uh, and and that that type uh, so far, I haven't seen anything saying that that's negative, but definitely smoking it. And then, of course, vaping Vaping is, is kind of like smoking, a little cleaner, but still hard on the lungs. And so, I'm uh, going to
0: disagree yeah, with it, you in that. Like, I would smoke it, flour all day long versus vaping flour and, like, you know, vaping a concentrate. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's really everyone choosing the method of consumption that's right for them. And, you know, and it's how you smoke, you know, it's not taking giant bong rips and, and at a really high temperature, it's like, what device are you using? Are you, you know, you can vaporize flour and have, you know, an amazing experience with that. So, um, you know, I, I just, encourage everyone to just make your own decisions and not putting a lot of um, weight in studies that are, we, unless you're following the money and you know who paid for the study and where it came (laughs) from and how many people participated in it, you know, because we can make a graph and information read however we want it to really. And correlation doesn't always mean causation. And I am somebody who will take breaks from smoking, but, um, you know, when you have anxiety issues or you need some sort of instant relief, I don't know a better form of consumption in that moment than inhaling it. And I've heard some doctors talk about that too, that, you know, that ingesting it through the lungs gives you that instant thing that you need and that's okay.
1: It does go into the blood uh, system very, very quickly when you inhale it. So, so that is fast for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and you're right. Uh, with statistics, you can say almost anything, <laughs> pro or con, uh, to support a, an argument. So, so you do have to watch out as to who funded what study. And uh, in the studies I've read have, for the most part, been neutral. Uh, generally, it's NIH uh, funded. Uh, and even in a, NIH, sometimes you have to question, you know, what was their motive here? Uh, because when I look at cannabis studies out of the UK uh, and alcohol studies, uh, sometimes I'm thinking, you know, how did they get, they get this study done? Uh, where there's some that say that uh, even one alcoholic beverage, uh, Uh, per person per day is way too much Uh, and they say no alcohol is the best but at the same time you find other studies that that are uh, uh, again neutral and they say alcohol uh, in moderation is healthy and cannabis in moderation is is not as bad as everybody says so yeah you do have to be very careful and uh, and and I think uh, your listeners for the most part I think your listeners really are smart and, and know that you because after you're listening to your your, your podcast, I think they've got a pretty good grasp on uh, you know what to do to, to stay healthy, uh, even though you never make medical claims or anything.
0: Keith, let's let's talk about making alcohol-free beer that people really want to drink. Because yes, a, a Gen Z who's choosing non-alcoholic or alcohol-free over consuming, um they don't have 30 years history of drinking their favorite beers so you know when it comes to beer and and making really excellent craft beer you know the taste is king you know how are you bringing that full flavor into these alcohol free beverages
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, um, we'll do that. I'll preface that by saying there are more studies popping up. And again, these are studies uh, that are scientific and very uh, rigorous showing that non-alcoholic beer becomes a, a food product because when you remove that alcohol, you remove the protective barrier to keep Uh, pathogens from growing. Pathogens are those microorganisms that can make you sick uh, or or even they can kill people too. Things like E. coli, listeria, botulism, those type of things can grow in non-alcoholic beer. So all non-alcoholic beer should be pasteurized to protect drinkers. Uh, So what goes into it, uh, so that's the last step. (laughs) We'll work backwards now. To make a decent non-alcoholic beer, uh, you can do it in a a couple of different ways. One is uh, you can make uh, fully alcoholic beer and then remove the alcohol using two two methods. One is you can use membranes to filter out the alcohol, and that's that's what quite a few brewers do, and it results in pretty decent tasting uh, non-alcoholic beer. With those filters, you remove most of the alcohol down to less than 0.5%. So that's one way. Uh, The other way is you can use vacuum distillation, where you use heat under a vacuum to remove the alcohol. And and by that, uh, when you fully ferment a beer, it'll it'll be about, you know, it could be six or 7% alcohol, ABV, alcohol by volume. And when you heat it up normally, uh, what happens is you have to heat up beer or, or wine whatever you want to dealcoholize if you're using heat you heat it up to about 173 degrees Fahrenheit and then the alcohol starts boiling away uh, but if you do it under a vacuum you only have to heat it up to like 65 or 66 degrees Fahrenheit and that alcohol under a vacuum starts boiling away under that at a lower temperature uh, under vacuum. So it protects the flavor of the beer. So vacuum distillation is the other way. So you've got membrane filtration and you've got vacuum distillation, two ways to remove alcohol uh, from a product and, and make it still taste like beer or like wine, I guess. Uh, any, anything that had alcohol, you could remove it. And so, Vacuum distillation. Well, oh, just
0: out of my own ignorance, a membrane filtration. What, what is that? Like kind of describe that the way you just did the vacuum distillation.
1: So with membrane filtration to remove alcohol, uh, alcohol is, is a tiny, tiny molecule. And then you've got water and all these other molecules that are very, very, very tiny. And so uh, to in order to get alcohol to be filtered out, what you have to do is you have these very tiny membrane filters and Alcohol won't just go through them. You you have to use a lot of pressure to push uh, the liquid through them And so uh, and then as the alcohol goes out with some water uh, You have to replenish that water in your base your main beer and so you're using high pressure pushing it through and And that's how you get rid of the alcohol and you can't get it down to 0.00 but you can get it less than 0.5 if you want to make alcohol-free beer then you use vacuum distillation because that can get you down to zero point zero zero percent so uh so that's uh so that's kind of the difference between the two methods the main methods there is another method for making non-alcoholic beer and that's called arrested fermentation and that's what a lot of small brewers do they what you do there is you make your your i guess your beer mix beforehand and then you start the fermentation but you stop it when you get to that less than 0.5%. So in other words, you start the fermentation, you let it go just for maybe an hour or hour and a half, something like that. And then you stop it by putting it, uh, you turn down the temperature, get it really cold, filter out the yeast, and then you have non-alcoholic beer. And then the the last way you can do it is you use a special yeast that, and then now there are many different types of specialty yeasts that don't ferment, The main sugar in a brewery situation, which is called maltose. So maltose is the main sugar that yeast ferments and eats and turns into alcohol. But there are these special yeasts that don't eat maltose. Uh, But there is a small amount of glucose, which is a very simple sugar in in the beer mix. And so those yeasts will make that and they'll make non-alcoholic beer, but they won't touch the maltose, and so so that's how some brewers make non-alcoholic beer.
0: Interesting. Okay, so in your book, out of these methods that you've just talked about, obviously you're not using the teaching us how to do the vacuum model at home. Which ones do you cover <laughs> in your book?
1: So in my book, uh, I geared it towards craft brewers and home brewers. So uh, the easiest way to do it at home is to actually use heat and it just. Heat it up to 173 degrees Fahrenheit. You will lose some flavor, uh, but uh, you'll be able to get it down to non-alcoholic level, and then you could uh, uh, infuse it with cannabis, and, and you know get that extract in there and have a good uh, drinkable cannabis beer. And in my book, I, I recommend. Uh, sticking with darker styles of beer, like porters and stouts, because those are more amenable to those darker flavors uh, when you heat up the beer. You can still have success with lager uh, beers, lighter colored lagers, but it's a little bit tougher, and you probably will end up with, with a few minor off flavors, but you still can make some drinkable beers that you can infuse.
0: Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA Kit by Endocana Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, endo-aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Effica Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Efica Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formulation of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget, promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Okay, that's a hot tip. Good information. So let's talk then about when uh, when you are making this and you're trying to really keep those flavor profiles. So if you are losing some of that stuff, is there something that you can like, add after the fact to bring some of that back or is it once that process is over like you got what you got
1: there there are different uh tricks you can use uh and uh things like if you if you do lose some of that beer characteristic uh what you can try to do is uh mix it with You can make a second batch, which is always a little more troublesome, but you can make a second batch and uh, not heat it up as much so that uh, you get less uh, distillation of the alcohol and blend it in with your your other beer to get it up to that 0.5% level. And, and as home home brewers, if you're, if you're making this stuff at home, uh, you know, we're talking approximations and I think it's in my book, I talk about it. I think it's, uh, where when you, when you're boiling and when I say boiling at 173, the, the, the beer, it's not actually boiling. It's the alcohol that's coming off and you can smell it as, as this stuff is, is heated. You smell this kind of a sweet solventy smell coming off the beer and that's the alcohol being boiled off, uh, yeah, so I don't want your, your listeners to to get the uh, the picture in their mind that this is bubbling and bubbling like a big cauldron. It's just, it's warm, and it's it's coming off like that. And at the same time, there is a little bit more uh, uh, flavor coming off, or a little bit of flavor coming off. And so to replenish that, uh, what you could do is blend it with another batch of beer that's been distilled, but a little less distillation, so you have more flavor kept in. And so the, the mixed batch should have more flavor and be a little more enjoyable, but at the same point, if you follow the guidelines, you should end up with a beer that's that's uh, flavorful and uh, drinkable, and, and really is is something you can enjoy with friends. So,
0: if we are doing this at home, what is the batch size? So, if I if I follow one of the recipes in your book, which we'll make sure to share with everyone in the show notes, um, what does the batch end up being?
1: So, typically about five five gallons, give or take, and uh, I think. A lot of people can find a uh, you know a, a pot to fit about five so- five gallons, and uh, uh, if not, there are a lot of these. Uh, they call them home brew stores or uh, home winemaking stores. Uh, and if you Google one, you'll find one near you uh, because they're widespread across the U.S. Uh, home winemaking and home brewing was made legal here in the U.S. back in 1978 under uh, Jimmy Carter's administration. So. Since that time, the homebrew shops that have uh, risen up across the U.S. has just been mind-boggling. Search for a uh, a homebrew shop online and buy all the stuff you need there to make uh, these five-gallon batches at home. And some people even go up as high as 10 gallons uh, and and double that batch size and get bigger pots. And uh, because some people end up really enjoying this, this hobby and some even take it further and become craft brewers, which is how a lot of craft brewers started in the U.S.
0: Okay, so now I'm at home, I've made my non-alcoholic beer, and now I want to infuse it with cannabis. Where does that part come in the process?
1: So uh, I think a lot of home brewers who have done it once or twice are familiar with uh, adding in the hops. Uh, the hops are the uh, green-colored plants. Hops are a cousin of cannabis. They're in the same family of plants called cannabaceae. And hops are unique because they have compounds uh, that smell uh, like beer, like your favorite IPA. The, the main aroma in IPAs comes from hops. It's the terpenes in those hops. And uh, uh, hops also have uh, s- specific little compounds called alpha acids. And it's these alpha acids that makes beer bitter. So most people taste an IPA or a beer and they say, oh, that's bitter. It's because of those alpha acids. They they As you boil the, the beer, uh, these alpha acids become what's called isomerized. And that's when they become very bitter and that's when you get that real beer taste. And uh, so you add these during the boil if you tried to use cannabis during the boil, you end up losing a lot of the nice aroma compounds and, uh, the, the cannabinoids. So the cannabinoids like THC, CBD, CBG, CBN, etc. those are very hydros- hydrophobic. And so they'll tend to stick to the sides of the pot during the boil, uh, and you'll lose approximately 70% of them. So, uh, if you made a five-gallon batch and used maybe an ounce of your favorite bud, uh, an ounce is going to be expensive. And to lose 70% of that in the kettle, uh, that's, no, that's no fun. So what you do is you extract it and add it towards the end of the, of the process. After the beer has been completely done and you've uh, taken out the alcohol, that's when you put in the extract. And, and it's pretty simple to make uh, just an alcoholic extract of cannabis. And uh, in my book, I cover that. You know, you first kind of soak it in water to get rid of the, uh, the chlorophyll and the, uh, the waxes. And then after that, uh, you start extracting by putting it into uh, alcohol, like uh, Everclear, just a real nice, strong, uh, flavor free, strong alcohol, uh, typically, you know, 95%. And you let it uh, stay in there a good uh, uh, 24 hours, on all the way up to a week, uh, depending on, on how long you want it to, to sit and extract. And you
0: can know, decarboxylate it first, don't you?
1: I should take a step back and say, yes, okay. <laughs> okay. before you wash it and everything, you have to decarboxylate because uh, similar to hops, well, I mentioned uh, earlier how hops uh, under heat, they become isomerized and turn into that classic bitterness that we find in beer. Cannabinoids, the the cousin, uh, they have to be decarboxylated to be activated into something your body will use. And, uh, and, And I should also say that when they're not uh, decarboxylated, so so standard acidic forms of cannabinoids, uh, are have also been found to be healthy for your body. Yeah. So you can consume those. In fact, uh, there was an article written during the peak of the uh, pandemic showing that if you had uh, acidic forms of cannabinoids, CBD, THC, uh, and consume those, though, actually, it was, sorry, it was in vitro, not in vivo. So So they took uh, a virus, uh, COVID nineteen virus, and they exposed them to the acidic forms of the cannabinoids, and what they found was those things were unable to uh, to duplicate and replicate, and in fact, some were even killed by these things. And so they said, "Okay, we can try it with animals," and and I think the first trials showed a lot of promise. So, so. Uh, before decarboxylation, if you want to consume a little bit on your salad or in your uh, in your meal, uh, it's it's proving out to be pretty good. Yeah,
0: healthy. THCA but, is excellent for inflammation. So and and oh, yeah. when the that acid molecule is still bound to the cannabinoid, however, I don't even the molecular structure of it, blah, blah, I don't know those words. But it doesn't make you high. It's when you decarboxylate it that it activates right. the psychoactive effects of THC. So if you want to have the healthy benefits of it without the high, then don't decarboxylate.
1: Exactly. And that's a that's a really good tip because a lot of people think, oh, is it going to get me high? And it's like, no. Uh, once you decarboxylate it, though, that's when you activate it. And to decarboxylate, you heat up uh, these compounds. You heat the... Uh, uh, Extract up, uh, uh, typically it's about a, oh, 130 degrees C. Uh, and when you do that and hold it for 30 minutes or so, uh, you'll really uh, get this stuff fully activated to the point where it's all decarboxylated and ready uh, to, to do its work. But that's and,
0: not Celsius. So you do that first. Is it 130 Celsius?
1: C. Uh-huh. Okay. Roughly there. So uh, what is that, a 200 and? 240 degrees Fahrenheit. I feel like that's like a little that. high. So, I don't know, uh,
0: but it's in the book. <laughs>
1: it's, it's in the book. And I have, I have a table showing that, uh, that's, that's what you want to do for fast decarboxylation. You can certainly do it at a lower temperature, but it takes a longer time to get it fully decarboxylated. So yeah, I, I'm talking about really, if you want to get this done quickly, uh, that's what you do. Uh, and then you, uh, uh, you take your material, uh, Decarboxylate it, uh, soak it to get rid of all the the, the chlorophyll, the green uh, compounds, the waxes, and then uh, that's when you extract it in ethanol and not too much ethanol. And then after after like a week's time or so, you've got a good extract uh, that you can then uh, put into your uh, non-alcoholic beer or or water, coffee, whatever you want, because in an alcohol extraction, uh, then the cannabinoids that have been activated can, uh, go in without being oily and floating to the top or sticking to the sides of the, of your cup. Uh, so it's, it's a, a very easy way to do it at home. But when you read the book and, uh, go through the motions, you'll, you'll become an expert pretty quickly. Uh, cause people have been doing this type of work for, for a long time. Um, uh, I think the first book on brewing with cannabis, the first and only book that I'm aware of, was published in 1996 uh, by Ed Rosenthal, the, the godfather of cannabis. And uh, nobody ever did uh, anything with, with that category until my book, the second one, which was published in 2021. And uh, and I'm hoping that more people get into it and, and publish even better books in the future to as, as people become creative and come up with better and better things, maybe someone will come up with a a, a really good emulsifying, self-emulsifying way to do it so that you don't, uh, all you do is you, you take your cannabis, you clean it up, uh, you, you oil treat it, use a self-emulsifier, and, and you've got something ready to add right away to, to anything, to water, to beer, to to anything. So there's there's so many studies being done to, to perfect and, and make easier uh, the extraction and emulsification of cannabinoids. And, and in, in just a couple of years time, it's going to be a whole new world.
0: For sure. I mean, things are changing so quickly now. And, you know, the, the non-alcoholic, Beverage category in general, you know, people are really looking to these beverages for function. So, immunity boosting, relaxation, energy boosting. I feel like the next step is going to be taking the non alcoholic beers and how. How do we, you know, cross pollinate into some sort of function? So that, and along with being able to create your own functional beverage by choosing the cultivar, like which cannabis flower are you growing and then putting in your beverage? You might have one that's like, this is my nighttime beer and this is my daytime beer, the one I'm watching, sports drinking, you know. So it's fun to think about all of those things and how you get to be the master experimenter in, in those things for yourself.
1: Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think in the future, we're going to be at a point where you can go to a, a dispensary or even even just a, a store like like uh, CVS or Walgreens and uh, uh, grab uh, little packets of different cannabinoids that are water soluble, and you make your own at home. Things like you might get uh, THC, V, and uh, humulene, a terpene, and put them together to as a, as a really nice weight loss natural. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say drug, uh, just a natural uh, functional uh, ingredient that that can rival things like. Uh, ozempic and and those uh but some but something really natural uh because that's in my book i talk about how uh you can have uh, the entourage effect with certain cannabinoids and terpenes and um and really get pain relief uh go to sleep a lot easier lose weight there's so many things that that are physiologically active that you could take advantage of and in the future uh i have no doubt that these are going to be available that you could just add them in and uh really get the the functional beverage that you want uh, and and the things that that can help your life, things to be creative. Because there's cannabinoids out there that that allow your creativity to just spike. Uh, Some that make you brave, uh, like you you can just get out and do anything. Uh, And and some that that are, are, uh, uh, gosh, like Viagra. Uh, I mean, there's just so many out there uh, to help whatever condition you have. There's over 100 cannabinoids in the plant which is which is crazy and they haven't all been identified uh, as to what they do in the body which with, um,
0: with the but, descheduling of cannabis will help us dive more and more into these things and it's interesting that people now are a little more awake to the pharmaceutical drug industry and looking for alternatives instead of immediately just accepting the prescription and getting on the pills because there's so much that can get disrupted in our in our regulatory systems of our body, our production of dopamine, serotonin, those sorts of things with a lot of the drugs on the market. And the more educated consumers get, the more interested they're going to be in learning about these natural you know, cannabinoids and terpenes that they can include into their lives in, 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 a very meaningful way without disrupting habits or things that they enjoy doing.
1: Exactly. And I think the the majority of your listeners are, are going to do just that, you know, just find these things that are functional, that can benefit their life in one way or another. Uh, and some of your listeners probably also may, uh, you know, this, this, uh, Cash register ding may go off in their head, saying, "Oh, I could probably make some money there <laughs> if I if I find this particular variety of cannabis that's high in these cannabinoids, and uh, you know, extract it and figure out what it does. Maybe give it give it to you and your friends, and it's like, oh man, I, I I feel really creative. And then maybe even apply for a patent on saying, you know, what if you extract that variety that's that's really rich in." This particular cannabinoid, it results in uh, in, in courage uh, to you know you can do whatever you well, want. Well,
0: and of course we're all because, genetic snowflakes, so the something that makes you feel well, one way will not necessarily make me feel the same. But I appreciate the enthusiasm, Keith.
1: <laughs> well, what where I'm going with that is uh, when you alluded earlier that that it's going to be descheduled. People will not people universities big pharma are going to jump on it identify these cannabinoids what they do in the body patent them and try to make money off it and who knows maybe one of your listeners may beat them to the punch and say sorry i already have a a patent a general patent saying if you if you take you know uh, cannabinoid x and and put it in it's you get courageous and
0: speaking of you know and and say i want to know about (laughs) yours
1: So, yeah, we have, uh, gosh, I I got to work uh, trying to figure out how to make uh, beer with no alcohol and using regular equipment you find in a brewery. And uh, because right now, well, right now we use our patented method, but we did use vacuum distillation. And vacuum distillation is good, but it's very expensive. And when I talked earlier about 280E and and how it just really chops into your profit margin, now imagine on top of that having a piece of equipment that costs upwards of a million dollars and you're trying to pay that off and at the same time trying to make money, it's like your margin gets even smaller when you have an expensive piece of equipment. And so... I got to work in my pilot brewery and figured out a way to make non-alcoholic and alcohol-free beer in the brewery uh, again using just standard brewing equipment, and got a patent in, in record time because it's it's kind of a, a radical way of doing it, and so so we were able to sell our uh, distillation unit and focus just on this, and so so it is a, it's a nice easy way to make. Alcohol free and non alcoholic beer uh, rapidly. And you can end up with good tasting beer that smells like beer, tastes like beer, has uh, the body, uh, the head of of beer. So in a glass, it looks like beer. It smells and tastes like beer. And uh, you don't have to pay a fortune for the equipment to remove alcohol. So so that's what we did. And and like I said, our our patent lawyer, uh, she filed the patent and everything and said, that this she said it was like a record time for her that the patent examiners got back so quick i think it's still quick it's like eight i think eight months or nine months That's something like good. that she said the process typically takes uh like one and a half to two years so they uh, they cleared it through very quickly so I, I lucked out in coming up with something pretty uh pretty radical and right uh, on and then i've got a, a couple other patents that are pending so uh, well in fact that oh yeah right behind me uh, well i'll go this way <laughs> that right there uh, it's like it's like i feel like the weather yeah i no, it's hard isn't uh, it that's <laughs> the patent for <laughs> yeah. yeah now you know what they go through so that that right there is the patent that uh, was issued uh to me that uh, and I, I conveyed it to seria seria so that it actually is the property of seria now but that's the patent for making alcohol-free beer uh, using using this new method.
0: Very cool. So, uh,
1: so yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to get a patent, and because uh, uh, there's all this stuff you have to go through, and when you when you get a patent, you get the certificate and all that from the government, and, uh, and you could actually say you're you're an inventor. <laughs> there you go.
0: If people want to learn to brew with cannabis, like you, I'm holding up the uh, cover for your book. This is written for professional craft brewers, home brewers, or curious cannabis enthusiasts. Brewing with cannabis using THC and CBD and beer dives into the legal history of cannabis, explores the biology of the plant and its similarities to hops, and provides you with tips for growing cannabis and brewing at home, along with fun beer and seltzer recipes to try. So, thank you so much, Keith, for um, creating this and giving people a guide. And I have to say, your co-founder snuck me a little code that I could share with my listeners. Um, If you go to seriabrewing.com and use code BAKED15, that's BAKED15, you can get 15% off of an online purchase of Saria's alcohol-free beer, and that's good through the end of the year. So... If you're going home for the holidays and you want to take some to share with your family, it's seriabrewing.com. That's C-E-R-I-A brewing.com.
1: And I should mention we have two flavors. One is Belgian White, which is similar to Blue Moon since that's what made me famous. And uh, the other one is an IPA. So we have a West Coast IPA that's dry hopped with two hops that are pretty familiar to to IPA aficionados. One hop is called Citra and the other is called Amarillo. And together they give a really nice, uh, I would say citrusy character to the the, uh, IPA. But again, both are alcohol-free. And, uh, yeah, please use the code and and order away. And it's good till the end of the year for for your listeners. I love
0: it. Now, is there anything that I didn't ask you uh, that we need to touch on before we wrap?
1: Gosh! Oh, we. As it, time goes by I fast. <laughs> Gosh, no, but I think the one thing we alluded to is is that uh, things are changing so fast. You know, we've got cannabis now, and uh, like I said, in the future things are going to be so different. You'll probably have uh, cannabis extracts to take home and and just create your own functional beverages at home. that, That. Are unique to you that can help you, and and I've got colleagues that are working on uh, water soluble mushroom extracts too. Because as you know, mushrooms also hold a lot of promise. Uh, there's a lot of really really healthy things in mushrooms. So I think the future is going to be so different, and we're going to have so many functional ingredients to use. And it's just going to be a whole different world. You know,
0: you saying that, I think I remember reading something in your book about how mushrooms can help with the bitterness effect. Is that true? Is that what I read?
1: Oh yeah. That, that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, there's extracts of mushroom that can actually, uh, you can get them and put them into your beverages as you put in the uh, cannabinoids because cannabinoids uh, are, are naturally mm-hmm. bitter. They're, they're, as I said earlier, they're cousins of, of the hop plant. And so, uh, whether you're talking THC, CBD, CBN, CBT, they have this natural bitterness to them. And in some, some situations, that's fine. Like beer, coffee, tea, those are naturally bitter beverages. But if you're trying to make like a seltzer or something that, that doesn't have, it shouldn't be bitter. Uh, you want to block that. And, uh, some ways to block it are by adding salt or sugar, uh, but another way is using mushroom extract, and that blocks that bitterness so that you can drink it and not taste the bitterness of the cannabinoids and enjoy them and get that functionality without suffering through the bitter taste. So, uh, I love that. yeah, it's, it's mushrooms I think are... There's going to be such a big future for mushrooms, and I think a lot of your listeners probably already know that, so I, I don't have to say that. But uh, to me, that's that's a fascinating part. Is uh, before not too long, uh, we're going to see a lot of uh, things change for the better, and I think people are going to benefit and come up with great functional uh, beverages and functional products. I
0: agree. Nature is amazing, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, if you would like to connect with Keith and Jody and the rest of the family at Saria Brewing, they mm-hmm. are on Instagram at Saria Brewing and Facebook. It's at Sarah Brewing C O at Sarah Brewing Co. So Keith, thank you again for your time and for sending me the book. It was an interesting read, and I'm excited to go home and And share it with my sister. I was sending her screenshots of different pages and she's like, where is this book? And are you buying it? And I was like, I already have it. I'll bring it home. So anyway, thank you for the work that you're doing in the space.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, and I'm, I'm pushing the envelope just a little bit, but I know sooner or later some of your listeners are going to be pushing it even more, and this space is just going to blow up, and I think it will benefit everybody. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, cannabis really is this natural wonder.
0: Amen. Well, thank you very much, and thank you all for tuning in. I hope you will take this episode and puff, puff, pass it on.
1: <laughs> yes, is a high time.
0: We had a Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Jamie Hummiston at PodConnects. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.